Hello everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where we cover all things related to Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, fantasy, sci-fi, all the good stuff. We, as you might tell, we are uh, not in our normal digs. Don't worry, they're still there. They are just being fixed up. I don't quite know why. It's like they're installing a new... Yeah, sprinkler system or something. So our, our safety is very important. So okay. that's why they've moved us here. Which Although I, we have this awesome backdrop. Yeah, it's, nice. it's really nice. Oh, it might start to like thunderstorm this happens because it's not up in Chicago. That'd be a pretty cool, actually. Ooh, all right. Office. We'll just wait it out till... <laughs> no, no, no. I our old office was so not like this. So it's nice to be in a, yeah, a little bit of an elevated place. Big change. Hey everybody, to welcome. Who's, who's, who's on Hi, tap? we've got Julie. Hey, hey, Julie. Hey, Julie. Some others will join us, I'm sure. Can't right. wait. Christian, hello. Let's dive into things. Okay, so, um, you know, Game of Thrones three months over, but there's still plenty of so much news coming in. So the big thing I want to talk about today is George R. R. Martin is on a tour of the British Isles mm -hmm. and just giving all the interviews. He, he doesn't normally talk a lot. Yeah. So this is like a torrent and I'm not quite sure what to do with myself with it. Yeah. So the thing I love most about George R. R. Martin is this. Um, he obviously knows a lot of information people want to know. He knows things about his own books. He knows things about all the stuff HBO is working on. He's not supposed to say anything about this kind of stuff. Supposed to, right? But like he's just, I guess he's just kind of at that age where he's just, he doesn't really seem to care and just like, <laughs> kind of like, oh yeah, this is happening. Yeah. So like, he gave oh. an interview at the Irish Film Institute like yesterday where he won an award. He talked to a site called Joe and he, he gave away some pretty interesting stuff, I thought, about the okay. upcoming Game of Thrones prequel series mm. or as he will detail, prequels. A, he wants to see, he's, he'll see a rough cut of the pilot in September, which could give us some indication of when it might come out. Yeah. You know, we're all thinking like 2020-ish. Um, he also talked about working with the showrunner for the prequel. So the prequel series, just I'm sure you all know, I'm sure you all know, <laughs> um, is set thousands of years before Game of Thrones right. in Westeros, when uh, before Targaryens are there, no dragons, none of that. Everyone's just like thousand little different kingdoms fighting each other. Yeah. No, if Stark's just still around, Lannisters aren't around, no Targaryens, none of that. They're very, very different. Um, he said that we met in Santa Fe, that he and showrunner Jane Goldman on the new show, on a couple of occasions in L.A. We've had long discussions about the show before she went off to make it, but she's only had a few little signposts for this show along the way. She's really bringing a lot to the table. He said it's the show show is like based on eight lines of his books, basically. Wow, so it, that's all she's got to work with. Yeah, it, I mean, which it means it's gonna be her. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not like, this isn't like Game of Thrones where it's, here are books <laughs> that you're gonna adapt. It's just right. gonna be a little kind of jumping off point and then just make it up. Mm. Which so would be I, really good. I feel like maybe at some point she's had to have like George R. R. Martin's blessing on some. Like I feel oh, like definitely. there's some like, stuff you have to run past him. Like here's my fan fiction, but I want you to make <laughs> it canon. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's like you have that creative freedom to like take this world and do whatever you can with yeah. it. Um, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Like. I've always thought it was very smart of him to choose that because if they chose like a period that was that he'd written about more, mm -hmm. or that like you know if they're like the like, like the characters like grandparents could be in it as <laughs> yeah. young people, like there's more opportunities to contradict themselves. Like if you do it yeah. thousands of years ago when there's like no one knows what happened. Yeah, like, you have you have a lot more freedom, <laughs> and I'm kind of getting like a J.K. Rowling kind of vibe, like. 
if you do something with like um, the cursed child. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's not a prequel. You know, it's post the. Story. Oh yeah, but it's right around the same time but, with the same character. Right. So when you run so close, especially with her, yeah, you run the risk of stepping on your own tail. <laughs> and if you do, they will let you know. They will let as you know. As they did, the fans very virulently. <laughs> so yeah, I think I just I don't know. To me, that sounds really awesome. Just to have that opportunity, like that blank canvas, totally. to really just like go wild. <laughs> he also told, talked about a show that he pitched to HBO about. Game of Thrones that they rejected. So, okay, let me see if you think this is a good idea. Okay. Okay, it was going to be called Spear Carriers. Already, I kind of hate the title. Yeah. But um, I just don't like it. Um, it would have been about, um, it would have been Game of Thrones, just the show Game of Thrones, but mm-hmm. told from the perspective of, like, ordinary soldiers and oh. bakers and, like, small folk people who are just kind of on the margins of things. Yeah. So he gave an example of like, you know, Tyrion gives a big speech about going to war, but it would just be him in the background. We'd be like with a soldier dude who's like, you know what? Afraid for it. This might just be me personally speaking, mm-hmm. but I do like taking, I don't know, like a micro look at these kind of worlds. Um, and I think honestly, those could be just like a series of sort of like one shots or one offs. Like that, one that, per that, that's episode. what I think. Yeah. Like, I think it's a cute idea. Yeah. Not for like a whole. No, yeah, you can show. make a whole. I think it would just be or like a web series, even like yes. it's kind of giving me that vibe, kind of like because you know I'm obviously huge with Avengers. Like after or in between like Endgame and Infinity War, like what do those people do? You know, while their friends are gone, or what do they do yeah. after their friends are gone? Like, I think at the very least that's something to explore. Like in a novel, like you get somebody else to write it, and it's like, hey, right, this is what. I was randomly doing during Tyrion's speech. Star Wars also does a lot of that stuff too, yeah. where you get these like peripheral characters. So that's true. Well, like there's this series called um, Below Decks about Star Trek coming up. It's yeah. just about like people working on like below the Enterprise. Yeah, I think there's definitely okay. So here's the thing: I think there's a need for it, but I think <laughs> waiting for his other books is kind of like that's got the precedent. So oh, people are like, cool. yeah, I would love to know about X random character. But also, when's the next book coming out? I would totally watch a web series about that. Yeah, It'd be really yeah. cute. Um, I, I can see why he'd, he'd like pitch it and be like, you know, and every episode be a different person, different time on the thing. And he was like, mm, what else you got? Right, big note from us, sorry. Like, I wouldn't blame them. But yeah. uh, what do you guys think of it? If you have any opinions about it, uh, let us know. Would you yeah. like to see Spear Carriers? They have to change the title. It's a terrible Spear title. Car- yeah, that, I think that would have to change, but... And finally, okay, and this was the big one. He, so it's been a kind of open secret for a while that HBO is making this Game of Thrones prequel, Mm -hmm. but they narrowed it down from like five or so options of different stories they could tell. Okay. And like they shelved one and they decided to go with this, you know, 5,000 years ago one. And they've been quiet since then. He keeps bringing up like, oh, they still have other things in development. And he's the only one who does it. So I, I get the like HBO would rather like please stop talking yeah. about that. Just focus on the ones being made. He always brings it up. And today, I think he more or less gave away what they're about, which Ooh. has been something that has been we've been wondering about for a while. So he said there are two other prequels at like the script stage. I have no idea if they'll okay. make them or just you know they just kind of commission like yeah. gives an idea and we'll choose the best one. Uh, of course, we're developing a number of Game of Thrones prequels that are drawn in large part from Fire and Blood, the book of Targaryen history that I had out in November. So, okay, Fire and Blood is a book he wrote, uh, fake history, he calls it. It's okay. just like a history book that history didn't happen. 
about the Targaryen dynasty coming to Westeros. So that book is out. We've read it. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. But so, so that basically means that the other prequels have to be about either Aegon's invasion of Westeros, Danny's like great 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 grandfather, okay, or the Dance of the Dragons, the the Targaryen civil war that happened like 150 years before the show started. Like he gave it away. Like oh wow, th- those are pretty much the only options. Um, which I just love him. So he's this. just out here spilling secrets, huh? I mean, I don't think he means to. Yeah. He's just, he's he likes this stuff and yeah. he likes talking about it. I think, yeah, it. It, it's one thing where it's like, in his own way, these are his creations. And of course, he wants to be enthusiastic oh, yeah. about it. But I guess on HBO's terms, it likes PR nightmare. <laughs> Please stop talking. I just, I, I picture them like in offices just reading this and going, oh, like slapping yeah, their faces. Just, he's got another one. <laughs> Would you be interested in seeing a show about either? Like, how familiar with you are with with like the mythology of Game of Thrones, the back times? Very, very small amount of. We'll we'll get you trained up. Okay, I will. I will brush up. I will know. I mean, because I will tell you, it's it's like there. Like this is one of those series where, like, if you go looking, the mythology is there. Okay. Like they, he's written all of it Some lore. (laughs) He loves lore, George R. R. Martin. Like it, it's almost like it, it, it's like it's well de- it's as well developed like as some of like the main stuff. So really? he's written all about Aegon Targaryen, which is Danny's like again, like ancestor conquered Westeros in the first place, and that's yeah. a whole story. And there's lots of characters and things that happen, and then a very exciting uh, Dance of the Dragons, which is a mm. Targaryen civil war that happened like some time back. Ooh. Dragon fighting dragon above legs, pretty Ooh. good. I think they would both make great series. Yeah, I hmm. People do like... I mean, I feel like there'd be war either way. Dragons versus dragons, There's gonna be though. war. I mean, if you're gonna make a Game of Thrones show, it's gonna be <laughs> war. Let's see. Any comments about any of this? That's a long one. Yeah, we've got a very long... Louise says, Spear Carriers, Game of Thrones, from a muddy, hungry, downtrodden perspective. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, hungry, muddy people in Westeros, and there's only so much angry, downtrodden stories that's not going to be the same story with another muddy face maybe going into backstories <laughs> of some of the minor got char- uh, characters and how they cross the might be a good show. idea well my problem with it is that like if you only tie yourself to like characters who are around the important events like i'd be fine with the show that like okay really really fast okay my, my longtime fantasy would be a half hour sitcom starring hot pie like Ooh. Arya's little friend who yeah baits just at the end of the crossroads where he works, just kind of doing his job. I think that would be fun. I think that, yeah, like, and this to me seems kind of, it's like you're going from one genre to another. Yes. So it's like, they might be uncomfortable about that. And I really don't know if that's ever been done with spinoffs where it, it like switches genres and tones. I really can't think of one. I think it should happen more often. But I think Hot Pie is such a beloved character that no one would be opposed to that. And if you are, well, hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. And he also talked about um, how the show kind of slowed down his writing over the time because he so much yeah. so, so pressured about Aww. finishing it. I mean, at this point, I don't know what else we can say about this. Like, he'll, yeah. he'll finish it or he won't. Yeah. We'll he has to, I mean, the only person at the end of the day that can hold himself accountable is himself. Unless somebody puts the hammer down or whatever. You can't send him to jail for not writing. <laughs> so. Right, so we're gonna, by the way, people, if you're here, we are going to have Josh Hill on later for a song or Dan yeah. and Josh. It's been a while, but he is coming back. <laughs> Before we get to that, let's uh, venture beyond Game of Thrones because there's some big stuff happening like yesterday. So let's My talk head about. My was spinning yesterday. 
I thought like that Matrix Four thing would be the big story. Of yeah, the day. and then like nope. <laughs> Here comes Spidey swinging into action. Okay, so we're going to talk about briefly the brouhaha that happened yesterday surrounding yeah. the uh, Marvel-Sony breakup yeah. and how it will affect the noted Avengers franchise. Yes. Basically what happened is, um, it's, it's kind of complicated that Sony owns the rights to a character named Spider-Man. Mm-hmm, if you ever heard of him. And they made some movies about him, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield... But uh, the most recent version of Spider-Man, Tom Holland over there, has been in the Avengers movies made by Marvel. But there was a complicated deal where Sony let Marvel use the Tom Holland Spider-Man in their Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really realize this. Yeah. In return, Marvel let Kevin Feige, who was the kind of Marvel head honcho guy, mm-hmm. work on the solo Spider-Man movies for Sony, which I thought were produced by Marvel. I didn't really look too much no, into it. No, no, yeah. They were Sony movies. So, and his job was like to keep it consistent with the Avengers movies. Right. So it was this kind of precarious dance. I thought they just like bought Spider-Man. They did not. Okay. <laughs> and the short of it is that deal is over. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man can no longer appear in Avengers movies or Captain America movies. Well, he's gone, but... Or any... He can only appear in solo movies, and I imagine those solo movies cannot connect in any way to the Marvel Cinematic no, Universe. No, absolutely not. And it's a burned bridge. And and some people are still like... They are. They're like, is this like still ongoing or is it not? But I, I mean, from what I've been gathering, it's pretty much like they're like, no, we don't want this anymore. Um, Sony's and- statement was oh, pretty yeah. passive aggressive, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we're disappointed that they decided Kevin Feige can't help. He's probably really busy with all yeah. the stuff. Like, that's not the reason. Yeah, it's like, really, Kevin Feige, I think he's got it under control. He'll, he'll make time for Spider-Man. Uh, but yeah, the thing is that, so, okay, way, way back when, a little bit more backstory, is that Marvel Comics was suffering. They were not making oh, money. this is way back. Yeah. I think, like, let's say up to the 90s, yeah. way back when. Um, they were suffering financially, so they were like, you know what, we're going to shop all our characters off mm-hmm. and let other studios have the rights to them. Uh, so they were left with a few characters in their own deposit, like Iron Man, Captain America, and, like, randos. They're like, nobody wants to see a movie about Iron Man. Come to find out, they made some so great did, movies, yeah. and they really turned around their image. Uh, and so Sony was one of those people who they gave away their characters to. Sony made, like you said, some of their eh, so-so movies, but when they finally struck the deal to have, like, Spider-Man be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. turn things around. And now they're burning that bridge, and I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> who do you blame? Do you blame Disney or Sony or both or capitalism itself you know, or what? I would, yeah, I would love to throw capitalism in there. It's it's really hard right now to point fingers. At first, I was pointing fingers at Sony. Now Sony's pointing fingers at Disney. <laughs> so it's. I mean, they're not. Gonna, it wouldn't be fun if they recorded like it's our fault. Yeah. Like, here's our statement. Yeah, no we one here it. is admitting fault because they know they monumentally messed up. Uh, and not to like spoil too much uh, Far From Home if people haven't seen it yet, but even if you see the trailers, it's like Spider-Man's story was very much so tied into yeah, everything that he did embedded. in the Avengers, everything that he did with like Tony Stark. So it's yeah, like, like it's, it's it, 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 emotionally he's in there, yeah. narratively he's in yeah. there. So do you think that Sony will try to just make a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie and just oh. act like the rest of it doesn't exist or they just recast him? 
you know, I'm really, I'm really, really hoping it doesn't get to that. I really want them to turn it around because people are like putting. Or the, option three, they they work through this. Yeah, people are putting the mirror up to Sony's face, and they're like, "Hey, you remember Spider-Man three? That happened. Toby Maguire with like his pointy fingers." And Spider-Man two was really good. The Toby Maguire yeah. one, yeah, it's like for me, those movies are more like based in nostalgia, and those were kind of like the first of like the new wave of superhero movies so i appreciate it but once they got to andrew garfield to me they dropped the ball andrew garfield was a sweetheart but like the movies were really really bad um and on twitter people are joking it's like all right time to bring back uncle ben we're rebooting this (laughs) bring him out from the grave it'll be interesting to see what happens i mean okay how about this this angle the angle that it's good this happened mm-hmm. because Disney should not control this much of pop culture. I've seen that being talked yeah. about a little bit. You know what? That, I mean, like, yeah, of course we want Spider-Man and the Avengers, but damn it, Disney. Like, you can't have everything. <laughs> you know, my devil's advocate would be that Marvel Studios is owned by Marvel. Sony is Sony. Yes. And so... By, you know, the laws of comic books, Spider-Man still is a Marvel Comics character. Um, and if they didn't give him away, that would be their possession anyway. So, I mean, I would I, I would love to blame the money machine and Disney, but it's like, hey, it, it Spider-Man in a way is their character. They just gave him away. Now they want the papers back. <laughs> but mm, who knows if that's going to happen. Spider-Man Far From Home, though, is Sony's best-selling movie of all time. It's very true. $1 billion yes. at the box office. I think it surpassed Skyfall. So 007 yeah. is out. Spider-Man is in. And they want him. <laughs> but it's so weird. I mean, we'll get move on from that. It's yeah. so weird because like, part of the reason that did so well is because they tied into the MCU. Yeah. And like they yeah. have that expertise going on. Yeah. So it's just, it's a cl- complete cluster. It's, yeah. yeah. It's going to uh, be a dumpster fire. So. But yeah, we'll <laughs> see. Um, you know what? I'm just going to say, I hope they stay apart. I hope Disney breaks apart further. And I do not like hegemony. I do not like monopolies. Yeah. And I am in favor yeah. of um, this all breaking down. You know what? It, okay. If Disney broke up, Marvel gets to keep what's theirs, though. And I think that's what's part of it. Just sure. let Spider-Man be with his family. And Sony has other <laughs> stuff, too. They have Men in Black and all these other properties. So, yeah. <laughs> that was really a big success. Okay. Um, speaking of Disney being a monopoly, um, the other big news is... Yeah. The D23 Summit, is that what they call it? Expo. Expo. Yeah. Which is the giant star. Is D23 Disney or Star Wars? It is. It's all Disney, baby. Okay. So Disney and their properties, including Marvel, Star Wars, and now Fox, which includes National Geographic and some Simpsons stuff. So Everything. it is a lot. Speaking of the, the right stuff, I mean, they just, I mean, Marvel gave away the X-Men to Fox and Disney just solved that problem by buying them. <laughs> Yeah, so that was also part of that, like, hey, Marvel, I'm Marvel, I'm broke. I'm going to give away my mm-hmm. character. So they gave away X-Men to Fox. And, hey, what a miracle. Fox went under, so now they scooped him back. back up again. <laughs> but anyway, um, D23, around the corner, uh-huh. this weekend. Yes. Do you expect any giant announcements out of the House of Mouse? Which is you know cute what? Name the kids call it. <laughs> it's... I think the D Disney Plus is going to oh, be a pretty course, big yeah. panel. Um, they are going to have a trailer, I believe, for The Mandalorian from mm-hmm. John Favreau. So that should be pretty interesting because it's Star Wars' first live action like 
spinoff or yeah. whatever. Starring, TV show, uh, yeah. starring Oberyn Martell from Ooh, Game of Thrones in yeah, the main role. So hollow. Although he might keep his helmet on the entire time. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, is that really him under there? <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. it. Okay, so here's something else interesting is that people have been wondering, will there be like a Star Wars 9 announcement? There's no like big Star Wars. Like what announcement? Well, more like. It's still coming, so you guys. How the, yeah, it, something's coming, but I think what they've done so far is like released around this time a behind the scenes look at the movie. So it won't um, necessarily be a trailer. We might not get that till October. But I mean, hey, we really only had that one teaser. So people are like clawing for whatever they can get. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. If they know it's. I'm sure they'll be happy to. Yeah. The other big Star Wars news was, and I think this might have leaked ahead of time, is that they are making a Disney Plus, Disney Plus being the Disney streaming service, going to compete with Netflix and Amazon, not Hulu, because they, they own Hulu, because of course they do. Um, that, we're, that, we're, that, that, that we're all going to buy, because it's reasonably priced, yeah. and they're going to have everything. Yeah. So we have no choice, really. Ugh, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, they are going, Ewan McGregor, who mm-hmm. played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars prequel series, like 20 years ago now, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Is coming back for a Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I am actually very excited. There's something so, like, tender and, like, yeah, he, <laughs> about, he, he was good about the, the prequels. And there's a whole Reddit, like, prequel memes where... You know, like Obi-Wan's like, hello there, or another happy landing. Like, (laughs) I actually never heard of the hello there meme before. And like, one of my writers like put hello there in his like opening. I'm like, what does this mean? (laughs) It's like, oh, I'm not, I I just get the joke. It is is a meme. But I think that if there wasn't that like novelty to his, to like just the overall sense of the prequels, we would probably be like, it's whatever. How do you feel about the prequels? Because again, I'm always curious about this. Because again, like you're like younger than me. You're younger than Cheryl was. Um, I mean, I was young. I was young when I saw the prequels. When they came out, yeah. I didn't really. I, I, I wasn't really invested, but I, you know, yeah. I, I know of the famous backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your take on them? Did you did you see him as a kid? Did you enjoy him? I or? did. Well, I think in one of them, my dad recalls I was running around. I was a baby in the theater, or like yeah. a, a young kid. But I mean, when I wa- I watched them kind of recently. Uh, and it it's slow. It's a slow start because it's just like filled with politics, and it's like, where's the action? Just where's what every kids movie should have, yeah. right? Just a lot of like talking and rambling. And you're like, oh my god, is this what they really put? He out? was good in them though. But he, yeah, oh yeah, undoubtedly, he was a really Even great actor. Even back then, I recall like he's like one of the few who like got out of those alive. Yeah. Like like <laughs> yeah, with his dignity Chris intact, and just you know he went on to good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I have a like an odd fondness for them maybe just because i watched them during my childhood so i didn't know any difference um but i yeah either way i think a lot of people are excited about him so okay so for disney plus we got the mandalorian yeah we got a show about cassian andor from rogue one who Cheryl was really excited about. I, yeah, I found it. I found it hard to like even remember like which one is that. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm so. I'm like it's. It's whatever <laughs> to me. Yeah. <laughs> now we got an Obi Kenobi show. Uh-huh. Uh, they are bringing the Star Wars heat, unsurprisingly. Oh yeah. And finally, in Star Wars news, which tied back to Game of Thrones news, before we bring in Josh, um, they've been off and Dan Weiss. Game of Thrones showrunners have you know they they've been in the news a lot lately because they signed mm-hmm. a giant Netflix deal to a million dollars. They're also making a Star Wars trilogy, but are they? So the the new news was that they might not be as involved in the Star Wars stuff as we thought. Oh. That 
their deal was to write a per the Hollywood Reporter, very reliable uh, source, uh, to write a treatment for the three movies, write the first one, and no word about directing. Oh. So maybe like people were like, how do they have a Netflix deal and make Star Wars movies? Like maybe it's not they're not really that involved in the Star Wars stuff. Hmm. I mean that to me is interesting. I guess it well, all they ratcheted it down. It, yeah, it all too. boils down to like what does each person do in their role? Uh, it might it might to me kind of sounds like how they had JJ Abrams set things off for episode seven. Right. And I wonder if their intention originally was to have, like, a different director for each movie. I mean, it was, right? Because they had uh, Colin Trevorrow in there for was a minute it? Right. before so, they so booted I f- him. I feel like they're going back to that where it's like, you start things off because we trust you to be, like, a good person. We trust what you do, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody else can take it from there. Like, as long as you lay the tracks, then we can follow through. Right. <laughs> I mean, good for yeah. them. Again, I'm yeah. sure they'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to comment upon, Mia? Absolutely we... not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Josh is waiting. All right. And we will bring in Mr. Josh Hill. And while you wait, though, uh, this lovely image of coming down the bend is Game of Thrones Whiskey from Johnny Walker. A song of ice and a song of fire. Crisp and fresh, rich and spicy. Coming to a liquor store near year in the near future. Game of Thrones merch. Everyone loves it. And now I'll fade out, and appearing next to me will be... Oh, look who it freaking is! It's Josh Hill! Welcome back, Dan. You haven't been here the past couple of weeks. You're so funny. (laughs) You're such a funny guy. That's why they keep bringing me back. Okay, we won't go over it. You, you, you've been missing the past two weeks. I've missed you, Josh. I've I know. I've missed everybody here. Hello, everybody. I'm back. <laughs> yes. Man, I, I leave for a couple of weeks. Everything's different. We've got a whole new background, temporary background. But oh, rains. All right. Well, thanks for coming. And uh, if you've forgotten, I'm sorry. I'm like a bit when I'm salty. Um, <laughs> we are reading A Clash of Kings, the second book in George R. R. Martin's magnum opus. Oh, that's what we're reading. Yes. Uh-oh. And uh, do you remember who Tyrion is? Tyrion Lannister? Tyrion? Ty- 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 Short man. Son of Tywin? So, yeah, you got it. That's right. Okay. So, we're talking about the So, yes, for, Tyrion for, five. For, for, for those of you who might just be joining us, we read through every chapter of George R. R. Martin's book. We discuss it, break it down, feel what makes it work, what makes it great, what makes it fun, what makes it not fun. And we are on Tyrion 5 from A Clash of Kings. And let's just pretend the last two weeks we didn't skip over and just jump back into it. I'm sorry. I am kidding. I don't mean to like make you oh, feel no. bad about missing things. You had things I to missed, do. I missed everybody. Hello, everybody. Yes. And Julie you, says, hi, you were missed. Hi, Julie. You were missed. All right. So this chapter, we're like a third of the way through the book. We are. Um, give, me, give me your quick impressions of Tyrion 5 from A Clash of Tyrion Kings. Tyrion 5. Uh, the the subtitle... Wildfire. Here comes the wildfire. That was uh, our, that's our introduction to wildfire, right? This is the first so, real yeah. kind of diving into it. Yeah, I think it. I don't think we've heard of it before. Um, also, I like that the nutty professor is apparently behind <laughs> making the uh, <laughs> making the wildfire. This twitchy guy. That, that yes, which is a good name for him. Helene. Well, yeah, he was fun. Like, yeah, this, I, again, I always love the little, I wouldn't put it past Martin to have mentioned Wildfire before, because you yeah. know how he likes to layer things in, but f- yeah, it's the first time. This was our... It starts off with him going down to the place where they keep all the wildfire, yep. with Arch, no, with, I'm sorry, Wisdom Helene. Mm-hmm. They call each other Wisdom, which Tyrion points out, like, ugh, it's, it's awful. Like, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, like, I don't know, like... A PhD in kinesiology, like insisting, like, oh, yeah. I'm a doctor. Like, I know, but like, are mm. you really? You don't have to, you don't have to talk about it. 
these guys like call each other wisdom. It's very annoying to Tyrion. And yeah, he's going down there to see if they can get some wildfire a Bruin for the coming battle. It's a fun it's a fun scene. It's mostly funny. I do like that again, he layers things in. So of course you remember Jamie's bathtub scene, right? It makes a confession about yes. you know, he the reason he killed King Aries is because he was gonna burn the place down with wildfire. Mm-hmm. And they mention here, like, Helene's like, oh, we found uh, a bunch of wildfire under the Sept of Baylor just, like, last year. We had to take it. We had to get rid of it. And it's a throwaway detail. It's like, oh, well, no, one's, no one says, like, why is it down there? But then we learn, oh, like, it was down there so we could blow up the whole place. Yeah. Which is uh, a fun little detail. And Tyrion's even like, I'm sure yeah, that's very nice. Let's move on. <laughs> but he doesn't give it a second thought either. But that's, that's like, a huge, it's, a, it's really great how he just kind of layers that stuff in. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a huge revelation that we don't have the context to understand yet. Which is just uh, a fun way to tell stories. It is. Nice uh, exposition. Exactly. Let's see. I mean, mostly it, it's a fun little bit where he goes down. He talks about the alchemist guild, how they used to be. I think Martin likes this kind of thing. Where they used to be, like, uh, powerful, these alchemists. They would yeah. claim to, you know, like in medieval times, turn straw into gold, that kind of thing. And now they're, like, kind of weird and fringy and <laughs> um, just twitchy and don't have any people left. And But they still have this, like, big old building. He just talks about the mythology of it. And fun fact, do you know that wildfire is real? It is. Do tell me, Dan. It's based on Greek fire. Oh, yeah. Greek fire. Do, do you use agree with me? Do you know what this is? No, I do know what Greek fire is. Oh, because I didn't. Yeah. Um, use it on, uh, it burns on water, right? Apparently, yeah. It, like, burns on water. I don't understand use... it. I know what it is. But I don't know. I wonder if it's chemistry it nowadays. I don't know. But it was like a cool substance they used in the Holy Roman Empire to burn ships. Pretty sweet. Well, yeah, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be pretty far sweet. Removed. It wouldn't be pretty sweet if you were on a ship that was getting Greek fire. That person is <laughs> long dead. I don't have to worry about because of the Greek feelings. fire. It yes. was we're dancing on graves here at this point. Like an example of how Martin takes like a real historical thing, which is already pretty weird and cool. Yeah, and like let's just turn it up to a, like twenty five here mm-hmm. and make it um, a substance that just explodes if exposed to a little bit of heat. So most of it, though, the chapters after he leaves that is more politicking stuff. Yep. He goes through the streets. Mm-hmm. And um, he gets a message from Bronn, like your captain of the guard wants to see you, and Cersei summons you to the castle. And he's like, yeah. "Okay, well, I'm gonna go to the captain of the guard first because <laughs> that can't be too important." Um, which again, it, which has, and which is, which has consequences. Because later, when he sees her, she's furious. Yeah, he's like, "Why did you come for me immediately?" <laughs> and he factors that in. He's like, "You know, if I keep her waiting, she'll get angry, and the angrier she gets, the dumber she gets." So I think it's actually a good idea if I go to him first. I just like the the little the little decisions yeah. that we get. The small politicking. Yeah, which is fun. I mean, yeah. it matters what order you do it in. Mm-hmm. And you know, he goes and gives these uh, empty pots, and Josh is back, and so is that Lannister banner. Yes, everything is happening. The Lannister we, banner. I didn't know it was gone. That's your favorite. Yes, I am. I am a proud <laughs> member of House Lannister. What are you, Josh? This is like what Kardashian are you? What Harry Potter house are you? What Game of Thrones house are you? Uh... I don't know. I'd have to take the quiz. <laughs> I guarantee there is one. Oh, there's plenty. Oh, yeah. There's many, many, many. Anyway, um, he goes to his captain of the guard. He gives him, like, empty pots to, like, yeah. you know, use and chuck. The idea being eventually they'll chuck wildfire at people. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is like a small detox. Remember, he says, like, um, you know, fill this with green paint. Put people on these. If they splatter it, don't have them do this. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to do it well. And, uh, again, small little strategic details that are nice. 
and he gets terms from uh, his cousin Cleos Frey from Rob Stark. Mm-hmm. And I like that uh, he says to the captain of the guard, like, don't let any of this kind of delegation into the city because mm-hmm. he's going to send them back to Rob Stark with, yeah. with their terms. And he's like, if they see how bad it is in here, like, Rob can't find that out. Yeah, like, he's got to think real strong. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, they stay here in this little guardhouse. They're not under the city. Because in the city, things are kind of rough. One of the better parts here is he goes through the kind of the streets and he sees, uh, isn't Cersei always furious, says Louise? Yes, but there are degrees. Yeah, pretty much. Like, are you just getting like a low boil or are you getting full on like froth? It's like the uh, the colors on the terror chart. That's the Cersei <laughs> yeah. chart. Where Where is she on... Like, being furious. It's always some kind of alert, but like, how bad is it? Yeah. That, that's where we are with Cersei. So all the colors are like different shades of red. Exactly. So, yes. <laughs> is she seen red or seen fuchsia? That's the only difference. But yes, she, she is always angry. Just but how angry. I mean, anyway, so he goes, he, he hears this like prophet preaching mm-hmm. about uh, brother couples with sister in the bed of kings and the fruit of their incest capers in the palace to the piping of a twisted little demon monkey. So it's like, uh, you know, it's people yelling in the streets about them. He's yeah. a demon monkey. Mm-hmm. How insulting is that? I mean, very insulting. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious, though, to hear them all telling these stories in the streets. Because it's, yeah. like, it's like this huge secret, the incest and all this kind of stuff. And Oh, yeah, they all know. But everybody knows. And it's also, because wasn't there a uh, scene in one of the seasons later on where they're doing, they're doing the play? Yes. It's kind of, it reminded me of that, where it's like, this is, that, yeah. it's part of like basically Westerosian pop culture. It's just, this, you know, yeah. like the Kardashians, they like you said it, like it's the Lannisters. They're kind of like this reality TV family that everybody knows about and you know their secrets and you talk about it. You don't know if it's necessarily true. I don't yeah. know every, if every secret but the Kardashians is true, but you're talking about it the same way that you would with the Lannisters. I just thought that that was a cool little like world building thing because we've talked totally. about how much... George R. R. Martin likes to do that throw in this world building that doesn't feel like forced world building. That was yeah, I can see that. a weird like pop culture thing going on where there's I mean, like actual, there's culture in Westeros. It's also realistic. I mean, look, you, you don't have to walk that far to find a crazy person in the street well, ranting about something. It's true. Like that happens today. That's how they found me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was um, in like one sock and a garbage bag. And we mm-hmm. just like said, you know what? He should be editorial director. Oh, congratulations. The, the toothless the wonder. Yeah. That's right. The new ones look great. The veneers are... Uh, <laughs> that's right. So, yeah. like Also, I want to point out that this is a priest talking about it. Yep. Like a, uh, a begging brother, mm-hmm. which is kind of the order of the Faith of the Seven, where they're just like begging. I think it's important because even though what happened for a while, this is like the seed of... Remember the sparrows from the show? Yep. The people who take over and march us to the street? Like, Shame. That's these people. Mm-hmm. Like right now, they're small. And this is like one crazy guy in the street. And it, it, it points out like people... Like, some folk are into it, and some folk are like, eh, go get a job, go home. <laughs> but, like, those folk will grow. And as yeah. the war goes on, they get more and more, and people get more and more upset with how pe- they're being ruled. And, like, yeah, this crazy person has the right idea. And even, and, it, and, and that would happen for books, but even back then, he's kind of layering it in. Mm-hmm. That thing is going to grow and grow and grow. And I wish the, sh- I wish the show did that more, because I feel like they kind of come out of nowhere on the show. They did kind like, of come out of Suddenly, they're like, yeah. they're like, Bleh, it's a religious thing. Yeah. But um, on the books, they, they build up a lot more carefully to the point where people are frothing at the mouth to do something crazy. Are you saying that the show took a storyline and didn't take enough time to flesh it out? Yeah. No, basically. Dan. No. I mean, this is still early on. That's they true. Didn't do it. It did, it did seem like it came out of nowhere, though, in the show. Yeah. 
But it and makes sense that you'd be able to let it ferment a little bit in the books. It totally does. Like, there. like for books later, it'll yeah. happen. So this and I mean, it was the same nice thing with the, with the wildfire, dropping these little Easter eggs. These You're planting the seeds that will later hatch into these larger stories. Mm -hmm. Wildfire was the same thing. Same thing with this religious radicalism. <laughs> what else are they going to do and talk about? Oh, uh, Louise says, says, hello, Jen. Oh, hello, Jen. There wasn't TV, film, books for a lot of angry, muddy people. True. This is their entertainment. True. What else are they going to talk about? Same as today using absolute looking at. Totally true. Right on. You got to do something. And finally, Sir, he gets back to the Red Keep. Um, Cersei's waiting in his room. <laughs> angry out of her mind. Of course. She's great. Fuchsia. I, like, she slaps him like three. Like, she slaps the wine <laughs> out of his hand. She slaps his face. He threatens her a little bit. She's like, whatever. I can take you. Um, okay. So, her big objection to Tyrion, why she was so angry wanted to see him is because she learned about his plan to marry her daughter Marcella, Marcella. off to Prince Tristane. Yep. So there are two points there. Point one is, remember from the last chapter, Tyrion chapter, he told different people he was doing different things to Marcella. He told Pycelle, yep. or, I mean, he applied to Pycelle that he was going to marry her to Dorne. Yeah. I think he told Littlefinger he was going to marry her to Robin Aaron. And so he's, he's trying to find out who's the traitor. Yeah, he's trying to find his leaky seal. Yeah. So he does. So he knows that, okay, so Cersei's talking about Dorne. That means Pycelle tattled. So I'm going to go get that asshole. Mm -hmm. um, but the bigger question is, does Cersei have a point? Is the question I want to ask you. Because Tyrion is, this is her daughter. Mm -hmm. She is the queen regent. And Tyrion's like, yeah, I'm going to go sell your daughter to this prince she's never met. And not tell you. that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that is true. Is she justly mad? Does she have some a point? I think she is. Yeah, she's justly mad. It's just cloaked in her other, as we pointed out, general madness. Her, her general ferocity is... That's what kind of colors your opinion of Cersei being mad mm -hmm. about anything. Is it's, of course she's mad about this. And, but but her fucking daughter! It's her daughter. And so she's actually... It's like broken clock is right twice a day thing. Where it's like she actually <laughs> has a point. Like it's her daughter. And Tyrion's kind of in the wrong here. Like he's using, uh, you know, his... What would this be? His niece? I think, as yes, a pawn in his game. that he, he brings that up. He says, like, someone say this is what Marcella was born for. Yeah, so the that's idea wrong. in the society. Okay, okay. Well, so, you know, society, like, this, no, true. Yeah. Like, you're married, like, daughters, nope, high-born daughters. It is kind of their point, at least in terms of how the society functions, that it happened to Cersei. She was married off Robert Baratheon because to cement an alliance and she hated it and it was awful which it's no wonder why she doesn't want Marcella to have to suffer well that, yeah thing. that's the that's the dichotomy of Cersei which is we're conditioned to think that she's not a good person mm -hmm. but this is also like she's another not. she's not she has I this think, is an reasons. empathetic thing because mm -hmm. you're like well I guess she's not wrong like it is her daughter like she yeah. shouldn't and it was her I mean it was bad when it happened to her too so and then we're that, that's how we're kind of getting a little bit more insight on Cersei as a character, where it's she's not just this soulless, hollow, one-dimensionally evil character. There's layers to her that there's some empathy in there. There's things where you're like, no, oh, she's not wrong about this. It's her daughter, and also she's trying to make sure that her daughter doesn't necessarily follow the same exact path yeah. that she followed. Like I'm sure she'd love like her at to least end up as queen guy. Yeah, but like this is Tyrion's in the wrong here. But in him being in the wrong, it comes out that we're empathetic towards Cersei and we're getting a deeper look inside of her character and seeing that she has, like Shrek and onions, what? she's got layers. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's right. As Corinne says, she is justly mad. That is normal for the time period as far as highborn daughters 
uh, to do, which is true. His, his other point is, and this is the point that kind of gets Cersei a weird reaction from her, is that, look, if Marcella stays here, she'll probably die. Like, Ooh, Stannis yeah. is coming. Uh, she's going to be killed. Ranley's coming. Stannis mm-hmm. coming. Rob is fighting them. He's being truthful about it. So He is. It's, it's not still... his reasoning for wanting to send her away, but it works out in his favor that those two things line up. And Jen says, yeah, it's true. It's, that's how it was done. Make sure you have peace in that country. Usually Father said it, but in her case, he wasn't there to do it. Should she have been asked at least, Jen? I do wonder that. Like, should she have some say in what happens to her daughter? I, I, I think Cersei is at more or less at peace with, yes, this is what's going to happen with women in this society. She doesn't like it, but I don't know. Then again, Ben Tyrion couldn't have... Should she have a say in like her general do- in the general life of her daughter or in the specific in situation? In the position of who she gets to marry. Oh. Because no, I mean, like, it's just, it's just going to happen be in nice, society. But, yeah. <laughs> that'd be nice, but no. Not we're going to cut it out. <laughs> this society clearly has defined rules. And I think that's what drives a lot of Cersei anyway, that she feels, and she has a line here, like, I should have been born a man, I would have I would have had no need for any of you, none of this would have been allowed to happen. She feels that because of her gender, and it's true, she's blocked out of all this, and it has eaten at her mm-hmm. from a very early age, that she yeah. is just not consulted, she's not thought up to have anything to contribute. Now, the funny thing is, in the books at least, she actually kind of doesn't, she's not very smart. Mm-hmm. But in general, she's not wrong that there's huge injustice being visited upon her, upon Marcella, upon a lot of people. So that's kind of the the fun thing with Cersei. Um, When Tyrion points out that Marcella will probably die if she doesn't leave, Cersei starts to cry. Yeah. Which is, again, another kind of unexpected reaction. She's got a heart, it turns out. She's got a heart, and she's a little... um, I wonder if she would be diagnosed as bipolar if, if she was in today. She is... Volatile. Yeah. We'll say that. Um, and and it's a really nice moment between them because mm-hmm. Tyrion is kind of like taken aback. He's like, oh, Cersei's crying. I hate Cersei. What do I do? I don't want to emphasize her. Awkwardly, he took a step toward her. When your sister cries, you were supposed to comfort her. But this was Cersei with italics. And he tries to offer a comforting touch. He like tries to like say like, there, there. Yeah. And she slaps him away. And uh, the narration is, it, it should not have hurt, yet it did more than any slap. So there is a part of him that still, like, wants to be a family with these people. Like, he's still... Well, naturally. I mean, it's his blood. Like, that's his... It's his brother and his sister. Of course he wants to have a connection with them. Yeah. And to just get, like... And he 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 wants a connection with Tywin, his father. Like, there's... Oh, that's, like, what drives him completely. Yeah, you want... He wants to have this connection with his family. I mean, that's another layer to Tyrion. He's smarter than everybody else in his family. But... He's never going to have the one thing that he wants, which is the love and respect of his family outside yeah. of Jamie. But it's painful. I mean, it hurts because you you want. I think it's a really well written part mm-hmm. that um you know neither of these characters are fully doing great things. Like Tyrion didn't consult Cersei at all, but shipping her daughter no. away. Cersei is a bit of a monster who slaps everybody, and um you know we know will do horrible things and has some horrible things. Killed lady, yeah. have more than a killing bit, Ned, but... more than a bit. Fine. <laughs> But they they both do have inner reserves of decency somewhere in there. And they want a real... Like, at least Tyrion wants a connection. Cersei might want one, too. She did start crying in front of him. I'm not sure she controlled it or whatever. But just it's just not it's just not in the cards. At least not yet. Although, by the end of it, they do kind of... They're on the same page as far as their strategy for the city goes. Mm-hmm. 
Like I think of the interns, like, okay, at least she's going to consent to the Marcella marriage. I, yeah. I can sense she's going to do that. Okay, so we got through this. And uh, we'll see that play out over the rest of the book yeah. and the rest of the series. I'm curious to see what Martin will do with their relationship when they meet up again. Because mm-hmm. we haven't gotten that. In the books, they have not like no. gotten back together. Okay. Like he's left. He's with Daenerys, but he hasn't come back to see her again. Okay. It'll be curious. But yeah, I think a solid good chapter. I liked this one. Yeah, it was a good chapter. Dream chapters are always fun. Any other thoughts, Josh? No. It's a good chapter. Solid. As Jen says, we were talking about Cersei, so no one would have been good enough. Also very true. Like, again, there's no easy answers here. Yeah. I think next is a brand chapter. All right. We'll meet up next week. Will we? Here. I certainly hope so. <laughs> we'll find out, won't we? Here Look, on- George R. R. Martin can't deliver Winds of Winter. I was. It was a protest. That's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, sure it was. Um, Got to have your back, Josh. We're back here next week, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Um, you can also do us some podcast formula on iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are downloaded. And we'll see you again next week live on our Facebook page at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Adios, everybody. See you next week in the studio again. Bye. <laughs>